0: Have you ever taken a guest up to the overlook at the Mill Mountain Star? And you can look over the downtown area and you can see Wachovia Tower, that stands out, and St. Andrew's Church, that stands out. But if you try to show them this church building, you have to work harder. You have to start with something they can see and recognize and then work your way building by building by building. And then you can say, and there, that's the YMCA. And then there, that's the Jefferson Center. And there, there, the yellow, pale, yellow building. That's my church. Little by little. And then there's this epiphany. Oh, there it is. Now I see it. Though it was in plain view before, It was hidden to them. The author of Mark's gospel has spent eight chapters building up to the central and pivotal story of the transfiguration. Though Peter, James, and John were not there, you and I, Mark's readers, were there in the first chapter of Mark at Jesus' baptism. When with him we heard the words from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. With the disciples, then, we have seen Jesus teaching and healing. We have overheard Peter's confession of Jesus as God's Messiah. We have furrowed our brows knowingly as Jesus foretells his suffering and death and resurrection because we know the rest of the story, we have scoffed at Peter as he rebukes Jesus for being so pessimistic. And now, six days later, we observe Peter, James, and John in their epiphany on the mountain. The brilliance of God in Jesus bedazzles them as a mysterious voice proclaims, This is my son, the beloved. Listen To him. The clarity is blinding. Oh, there it is. I see it. The divinity of Christ has been in plain view to us as we have been reading up to this point, but for the disciples, it had been hidden. Much later, the Apostle Paul claimed that Jesus is hidden to many whose minds are blinded by what he calls the God of this world, the evil powers that keep us focused on ourselves and not on others. Have you seen the God of this world at work? What do you see that blinds people from seeing Jesus as Lord? There are the usual culprits, like greed and jealousy and gluttony. These smirk as they shield people's eyes from Jesus' radiance. Sometimes we ourselves are at fault. People know we are Christians. And when they see us make a mistake in judgment, when they see us enter that yard that says, Beware of dog, we blind them from seeing Jesus as Lord. Because we're not reflecting his light. And even those of us who proclaim Jesus as Lord can be blinded ourselves by self-righteousness. We can be blinded by individualism. We can be blinded by the routines of life. In C.S. Lewis classic, The Screwtape Letters, the senior devil instructs a junior devil to Find some way to communicate with people to turn them away from God. When trying to convert them away from God, he advises, Keep pressing home on him the ordinariness of things. Anything that takes our eyes off Jesus has the potential of darkening our lives and the lives of those around us. Kathy Haynes passed along this story about a mother of three who had recently completed her college degree. The last class that she had to take was sociology, and the last project the sociology teacher called Smile. And the teacher had the students, you read this, had the students um, smile at three people, And then record their results, record what happened. And so the person writing this said, well, I'm a very friendly person and I always smile at everyone and say hello anyway. So she thought it would be a piece of cake. Not long after she received the assignment, she and her husband and their young son had gone to McDonald's for some family time. It was a a cold March morning. And as they stood in line waiting to be served, all of a sudden everyone around them started to back away. And the woman noticed even her husband was backing away. And so she looked around to see what this what caused this. And instead of seeing something, she smelled something first. And it was two people, two homeless men, who had come up behind her in line. And she she, she held her ground. And as she looked down on the first short gentleman, she found him smiling. And his beautiful sky-blue eyes were full of God's light, she says, as he searched for acceptance. He greeted her with a good day as he counted the few coins that he had in his hand. And then there was a second man behind him who seemed to be fumbling with his hands and she realized that that second man must be mentally challenged and was really dependent on that first man. Well, after she had placed her order, she stood aside to wait for hers. And the man approached the counter and the woman asked what he wanted. And he said, coffee is all, miss. Because that was all they could afford. They wanted to sit down in the restaurant to warm up. They had to purchase something. And she felt this then compulsion within her. And at the same time, when she was standing there close by and all these other people had backed away, she noticed that their eyes were on her and realized that she had some choices to make. And so she ordered two more breakfasts. And she took the tray around to the two gentlemen where they were drinking their coffee. And she put the tray on the table and laid her hands on the blue-eyed gentleman's cold hand. And he looked up at her with tears in his eyes and said, thank you. She patted his hand and said, I didn't do this for you. God is here working through me to give you hope. I think that's a pretty bold statement. But she says, That day showed me the pure light of God's sweet love because she got so much more out of that encounter than those two men did. Well, she returned to college on the last evening of class with the story in hand. She turned in her project and the instructor read it. And the teacher looked over at her and she said, Can I share this? And so the woman nodded and uh, she began to read. And she says, That's what I knew that we as human beings share this need to heal people and to be healed. She says, in my own way, I had touched the people at McDonald's, my son, the instructor, and every soul that shared that classroom on the last night I spent as a college student. So you can see how one small, inexpensive action transferred Christ's light to so many people. And so we think then, well, how can we do something like that? How can we transfer God's holy light to other people? I think we need it even more as the Dow continues to tumble and as joblessness rises. The national economic challenges are not just in Washington. They're not just in the large cities. They are affecting people here in our congregation. I think we could easily get overwhelmed, but often it takes just a little bit of light to make a difference. A couple of dollars for a breakfast at McDonald's, an hour a week tutoring children at Hurt Park Elementary, a half hour a month reading to children at the Baptist Community Center. Every time we transfer God's light, the world gets a little brighter. A little girl was reciting Bible verses in front of her church, her little rural church. And in front of that crowd, her mind all of a sudden went blank. And her mother was in the front row and was nearly as frantic as her daughter was. And the mother gestured, moving her lips, trying to communicate to her daughter what she was supposed to say, but it didn't do good. And finally, the mother whispered the opening phrase of the memorized scripture I am the light of the world. And immediately the child's face lit up and she relaxed and a smile appeared on her face as she said with supreme confidence, My mother is the light of the world. (laughs) Paul writes, For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. And ourselves as your slave for Jesus' sake. Like a radiator emits heat. Those of you on the edges are feeling it. That's why you sit over there. We know. With the small choices we make every day, we radiate the brilliant light of Jesus to others. I have three little suggestions. You could think of more. And I know you do more every day of the week. But one of them, I think, is to appreciate the differences in people. The cherub choir saying that even with our differences, we still love each other. Another one, I think, is that we can introduce ourselves to someone and make them feel at home. And I don't just mean in this sanctuary, though I advocate for that as well. Wherever you are, introduce yourself to someone and make them feel at home. And then pray each day that God will shine through you that day, and that you'll have the necessary courage to respond when presented with an opportunity to shine. Senator Chuck Grassley, speaking on that, the contentious subject of immigration reform, said, I've come to the conclusion after two years of debate on immigration without success, That it's going to take the love of Jesus Christ to bring people together. You have that transfigured light of Christ within you. When we can transfer it to others, we continue the great tradition of Christ and of Christianity in the best sense for Jesus' sake. Let's pray. Holy God of love, with your power you shine through us, we pray that you would continue to teach us to love as you have loved us. We pray in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen.